You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Second Corinthians chapter 10 is where we find ourselves tonight. Uh, we've been taking a look at over the last uh, probably uh, eight weeks or so, the Second uh, Corinthians 9 and 10, which deals specifically with the idea of, of giving. Uh, and if you missed any of those, you can always get caught up at our website at whoecala.org. Uh, this is message number 42 or 43, I believe, uh, in our series as we've gone through verse by verse to the book of Second Corinthians, uh, the idea of a selfless serving church. Paul pastored the church at Corinth for about 18 months moved on. Uh, they began to have problems, and so he wrote them several letters. Uh, we know of at least four letters. This would be the fourth letter that we know for sure that Paul wrote to them. Um, we only have uh, two of those recorded in Scripture, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And so we find uh, Paul's fourth letter, which we refer to as 2 Corinthians, uh, that we're taking a look at uh, tonight, uh, verse, uh, chapter number 10. Uh, we're going to start in verse number 1. Paul begins to kind of turn the corner. Some people have, uh, have even surmised that uh, in the study of 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about financial giving and encourages them to, to be faithful in that. And he kind of totally turns directions altogether. Some people have thought maybe uh, Paul took a break in his time of writing this letter uh, because he changes uh, subjects so starkly here. Uh, some people would go in to say maybe he had to change scribes or wait for another scribe or something like that. But the idea here is this. Paul takes a, an immediate turn and begins talking about spiritual warfare in this passage. That's what we'll be taking a look at uh, tonight uh, as we kick off uh, first, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, uh, starting in verse number 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that you may not be bold when I am present to think that confidence wherewith I think be bold against some, which think of us as we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to this pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. As Paul writes to them and begins talking about spiritual warfare and how we're in a fight against a spiritual battle, it's important to understand that when we look at life, the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. If you make a decision to live for Jesus today, just know this, problems are coming, opposition is coming, trials are coming, and it will not be easy. I often tell people, if you decide to walk with Jesus, it'll be the best decision you've ever made in your entire life, but it will also be the most difficult decision you've ever made as well. Because when we decide to live for Jesus, we will, guaranteed, face spiritual opposition uh, Paul even says in this passage here that we are in a battle, we are in a fight. This idea of warring against spiritual uh, matters and uh, warring in spiritual matters is a theme that Paul carries really throughout all of his writings. Uh, he takes a look here in, in 2 Corinthians and talks about the weapons of our warfare, not carnal. We'll take a look at tonight at how in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God. Paul even goes on to tell Timothy, a young man that he was leading and encouraging to be a man of God, uh, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This idea that the Christian life is a fight is a very biblical idea. It will be difficult, but I promise you this, we are victorious and it is worth it. I promise you that beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
as we look at this uh, passage of Scripture tonight. Verses 1 and 2 are a little bit convoluted, exactly what Paul's talking about. He's talking about boldness among you and boldness from absence. Uh, basically, uh, Paul, what had happened with Paul here is that Paul had a lot of critics in the church at Corinth. He had a lot of people that loved him from his time pastoring there and a lot of people who would criticize Paul. And they would say things about Paul like this. They would say, well, Paul's really bold when he's writing a letter to you. He's willing to call you out when you're doing wrong. He's willing to tell you to repent. But when he comes, he's not so bold after all. His bark's worse than his bite. And Paul says, hey, hey, it's not about whether I'm bold with you or I'm bold in absence. It's about the fact that I'm compassionate towards you. And as we look at this, uh, the first thing we see in verses 1 and 2, we must be compassionate with people while bold with the truth. Paul was a man who loved people, no doubt about it. Paul even said about the, the church at Corinth, I wish I could be accursed for you. I wish I could give up my salvation for you, but he could not do that. He was greatly burdened for Israel that they would be saved. He was greatly burdened for his people that they would come back to Jesus. He was greatly burdened for the churches that he had ministered to, that they would seek, uh, seek God above all else and seek to walk with Jesus. And he had a great compassion for people. And you and I must be unwavering when it comes to the truth. If someone asks you the question, do you believe that all roads lead to heaven? We need to have an answer for that. And the answer is no. There's one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. When people say things like, well, do you believe that because I don't believe in your God that, that I'm gonna go to hell? Well, I, it's not a matter of what I believe. It's a matter of what the Bible says and point people back to the word of God. Christians have uh, throughout the ages done great disservice to Jesus by being angry with the truth, by being harsh, uh, by being unduly judgmental towards people with the truth. We can be compassionate, we can be loving, but still share the truth of, of God's word. The truth of the matter is, is that not everyone will go to heaven. The Bible says that narrow is the road that leads to eternal life and wide is the path that leads to destruction. Uh, it, estimates tell us uh, the last demographic census that was done uh, in our city here tells us that only about 15% of our city would claim themselves as Christians. And you know that just because somebody calls themselves something doesn't necessarily make it so. Of that 15%, uh, a good portion of that would be folks who adhere to a false religion. Uh, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses or uh, Mormons would identify in that survey as Christians as well. When it comes down to Bible-believing Christians that are legitimately saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, that number gets even smaller from there. I'm telling you this, we live in a great uh, opportunity to reach people with the gospel in our city. But just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't make it so. Just because you say you hope that you'll make it to heaven doesn't make it so. We must know for sure that our sins are forgiven. 1 John chapter 5 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God doesn't want us to hope so, doesn't want us to think so. He wants us to know for sure that we are his and we belong to him. The fact of the matter is we are not born into God's family. We're born in opposition to God. We've all sinned against God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have sinned, you have sinned. And it's not that, well, we're all sinners. I guess we're okay. No, here's the fact of the matter. We are not okay. We have sinned against the holy God and we are in, in danger of God's wrath and judgment. I deserve God's judgment and you do too because we've broken his law. We've sinned against the holy God. And the Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. 
And when it comes judgment day, when I stand before God, I will not be able to tell him how good I am, how good I tried to be, how often I attended church, uh, who I uh, tried to do good with. Those things will not matter when the day of judgment comes. I'll stand before God empty-handed on my own. If I'm trying to give uh, a, a speech on my own merits, I will fall short. And I will receive that day, if I stand in my own strength and my own power and what I've done, I will receive what I deserve, and that is eternal separation from God. I will be sent to hell because of my sin. That's what's right. That's what's righteous. That's what I have earned. But God loves me too much. God loves you too much to allow us to go to hell on our own. He made a way for us to have our sins forgiven. He made a way for us to come to him. He made a way so that we don't have to endure his judgment. And that way is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross to pay for my sin and pay for yours that all those who would look to Jesus and put their faith and trust in him would be saved from our sin saved from eternal wrath and judgment no longer on the hook for all the wrong that we've done but forgiven eternally saved from our sin saved from destruction saved from God's wrath saved from hell through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Friend, if you think that you have done enough to make it to heaven on your own, you have not. Your only hope is Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, you're not 100% sure that if you die today that, that you are saved and born again, friend, do not leave here tonight without making 100% sure that heaven is your home and that your faith is in Jesus Christ. He's the only way. And that's a message that we have to share. We cannot compromise it. We cannot, uh, we cannot dance around it. I've been around people before who say, well, I'm a good person. Don't you think I'm going to heaven? I love you and I think that you're a great person, but if you're trusting in how good you are to go to heaven, you will not make it. Well, so are you saying that I'm going to hell? I didn't say it. The Bible says it. Let me share with you what the Bible says. And I'll always point people back to Scripture. Hey, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I believe and what you believe. It doesn't matter what another person believes. It matters what God believes. And that's found in his word. You and I must find uh, our, our truth from the word of God and the word of God alone. But we have to be compassionate with that. I wanna be, have a loving approach when I share the gospel. I wanna have a loving approach when I share truth with people because that's how Jesus did it. As we look further in this passage, verse number three, he says, we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. The idea here is this, is that we fight a spiritual battle. Our enemy is not other people. Our enemies are unseen. Our enemies are our flesh. Our enemies are this world. Our enemy is the devil. Those are our enemies. Our enemies aren't other people that oppose us, our enemies aren't people that don't like us. We're fighting a spiritual battle. It's not against another person. It's against spiritual wickedness in high places, Paul tells us. It's not a matter of we're gonna fight this fight one day. It's a matter of the fact that we are fighting it now. You and I are engaged in spiritual battle today. It's not a matter of one of these days you'll have the opportunity to get into some battle. It's not a matter of one of these days you'll get into a little uh, conflict. No, you are fighting today whether you know it or not. A battle is going on, and if you say, well, I'm not really fighting, then you are sitting by on the sidelines while the enemy takes ground in your life and the lives of those around you. One of my friends I was talking with the, uh, 
several weeks ago, and he said, you know, he said, I, I joined the, the army during peacetime, and he said, and we did all this combat training and all this uh, uh, training about how to, how to fight and how to do stuff, and he goes, uh, the day that I found out that we were going into combat, I was so thrilled because I actually got to do what I was trained to do, and I got to put all this training into practice. He said, man, that did it for me. Here's the thing, Christian, this training that you've been under for the length of time that you've known Jesus or you've been walking with Jesus, that's good, but we're not gonna wait to fight one day we're fighting today. Tomorrow morning when your alarm clock goes off and you roll out of bed, just know this, the battle has already started while you were asleep. Satan is against you. He will oppose you in whatever way he can. And we're fighting a spiritual battle. That means because it's a spiritual battle, our preparation must be spiritual. If you're preparing to fight, you're in training to fight, your training must also be spiritual. If we're fighting a spiritual battle, how do we train for that? Somebody help me with that. What do we do? Be in the Word every single day. I've got to know what the Bible says because the Bible is my, my guidebook. It's my field manual that I have for actually getting stuff done. How will I know how to fight? The Bible tells you how to. How will I recognize the enemy? The Bible tells you how to recognize the enemy. What do I do when I'm discouraged? The Bible tells you what to do when you're discouraged. How do I encourage myself when I'm discouraged? The Bible tells us how to do that. It's our, it's our field manual. We've got to spend time in the Word every single day. How else do we prepare? Be, be around God's people. Be in church. I want to be with other people that are going the same direction that I am. Hey, look, if you watch the news, uh, you'll find that, that you're, maybe you're all alone by yourself. You go to your workplace and you hear people talking about filthy, vile, sinful things. You'll say, I'm just alone by myself. But when you come to God's house with a couple hundred other people that are headed the same direction you are and are encouraged from God's word, that's going to give you what you need to go out there and get it done and be able to fight knowing that you're not alone. You have people on your side. You have people that are pulling for you. You have people that are praying for you. What's another way we can prepare to fight? Pray. Man, God speaks to me through his word. I speak to God through prayer. Prayer is my opportunity to worship God. It's my opportunity to confess my sin before God. It's my opportunity to praise God for all that he's done. And it's my opportunity to ask God for every single thing that I could possibly need because he wants to hear. He's waiting to hear from me. And prayer is my opportunity to prepare for the day ahead. Hey, look, if you're in the middle of a battle and you need help, ask for it. If you know that you're facing something that you don't know that you can overcome, pray and ask for God's help to overcome it. He promised to hear us when we pray. What's another way that we prepare? Here we go. Read the Bible. We already talked about that one. Good. What else? How else do we prepare? What's that? Just do it. You know what to do, just do it. How many of you people here? Let's, let's take a survey. How many people know that you should pray every single day? Raise your hand if you know that. Okay, almost 100% there, right? People that didn't raise their hand are asleep or don't understand the instructions. Uh, how many of you know that you should read the Bible every day? Raise your hand. Yeah. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand on this, but how many actually did it every single day the last seven days? Perfect. Don't raise your hand. Don't do that, okay? But it's funny to me sometimes people say, you know, uh, Pastor, I really want to learn the deep things of the Bible. And I believe we can, we can spend the rest of our life trying to uncover the deep things of the Bible. I truly believe that. But it doesn't do me any good to uncover the deep things of God's word when I'm not doing the simple things that I know I should do. 
Oftentimes people want to be confused by the Bible and they feel like they've got something out of it. I don't even know what I read, but it was so powerful, dude. Okay, I don't think that's the idea behind it, but okay. And it's funny to me, sometimes people want to, to get deep into the Bible and they want to be confused by the Bible, but they don't want to actually show up for church, you know, consistently, faithfully. They know they, what they should do, they just don't want to do it. And it's not a matter many times of, of learning more about what I'm supposed to do. Many times it's just a matter of doing it, simple as that. Uh, we, we prepare for spiritual battle by aligning ourselves with other people that are going the same direction we are. That's why we need Christian fellowship. And I'm not talking about we need to come together and shake hands at handshaking time. I'm talking about after we leave here throughout the week, there should be men in our church, men that you're con in contact with. Hey, I'm praying for you today. Hey, I thought of you today. Hey, I hope things are well with you. I should be getting together with guys from our church and, and doing things like going and grabbing coffee. Why did a bunch of guys get up at probably 4.45 yesterday morning and go hike a mountain that was way too high at way too early? Why? Because I need to be around other good dudes that love Jesus. I need that. And I need my boys to be around good dudes that love Jesus. And it's just good Christian fellowship. Did you guys have a Bible study up there at the top? No, we caught our breath before we went back down. Well, did you guys, did you guys, you know, out there just like canvassing everybody on the trail with, with gospel tracts? No, I think we had a couple of folks that handed out some tracts and made a couple of really good contacts that are there when you look for them. But uh, at the end of the day, we just try to be dudes, encouraging each other to be dudes. That's a good thing. We need Christian fellowship. I need to see that other people are in this fight with me. Other people are going the same direction I am. Other people have my back. I need to, to make discipleship a lifelong process. I haven't yet learned everything that I want to know about God and the Bible and walking with Jesus. I'm not there yet. Uh, I got saved when I was nine years old. I probably started walking with Jesus when I was in my early 20s. Um, I'm not yet where I need to be, and I'm not yet where I want to be. I'm continuing to try to learn more. You know why? Because I know that there's a battle on, and I'm going to be more effective in the battle. I want to be able to kick the enemy in the teeth to a greater degree. How do I do that? Discipleship does that. I want to run when I need to run and stand and fight when I need to stand and fight. How do I know when to do that? Discipleship will help me know that. I want to be more useful to Jesus in the battle, but that requires preparation. Many times people don't want to prepare. They just want to be victorious in the fight. Here's the problem. If you do not prepare, know this, the devil is plenty prepared for you. You got to be ready. And it's a daily spiritual preparation that we must go through. Next, we see in verse number four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We fight with spiritual weapons. You cannot fight this fight with your bare hands. This is not a fight that we fight by going to the gym or going for a run. Uh, this is not a fight that we fight by uh, getting together and strategizing about how we're going to overcome the enemy. This is a fight that we fight with spiritual weapons. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not, uh, the weapons that we have are not weapons that we can touch or hold in our hands or see what it feels like uh, to swing it. It's a matter of preparing spiritually with spiritual weapons. Our primary weapon is the word of God. I don't know if you noticed, but every single Sunday I say, if you need a Bible, our ushers have one of those. But if you don't own your own copy of the Bible, please see me after the service. I want to make sure that everyone has a copy of the Bible. You know why? Because Christians can't fight without weapons. You can't fight. You have nothing to fight with. That's why we need the Word of God. Jesus, when he was tempted in a spiritual nature, 
to bow down before the devil, to obey the devil's commands that he had. Three times Jesus was tempted, three times the answer was scripture. That right there is an example for us to follow. When you see temptation, when the devil tries to pull you off track, you better have a Bible verse ready. You better have something that you're meditating on. Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I've got God's word in my heart so that I can fight the battle that lays before me. Hey, if there's a particular sin that you struggle with, how about you write a Bible verse out on a three by five card and put it somewhere where you can constantly see it? I've seen guys before who take Bible verses and put on the lock screen of their phone. So every time they pick up their phone, they're looking at a Bible verse. Man, that's good. Whatever you gotta do to put God's word in you, know this, it's your primary weapon that you have. And when you do not spend time in the word of God, you will not be effective in the fight. Just know that. You cannot fight with a weapon that you are not familiar with. That's why our, our military does so much training with different weapons. That's why people that uh, shoot weapons have weapons qualifications that they have to go to because they have to be used to using their weapon. If you're not using the weapon that's been given you, the word of God, you will not know how to appropriately use it when the fight comes to you. That's why we gotta be in the word of God every day. Our primary weapon is truth, capital T, truth. Just know this, it is very, very easy in the world that we live in today to be swayed off course by the way that the world thinks. Just know this, if you stand for biblical truth in this day, you will be called a litany of really ugly names like bigot, old-fashioned, hateful, all these other things. If you stand and say, I believe that the, the marriage is what Jesus said it was. It's a man and a woman committed to a covenant relationship forever. Just know this, you are automatically considered a, a hate monger spewing hate speech at people. And people will say things like, well, you, that was written so many thousands of years ago. We've come so far since then. You're stuck in the stone ages. That was thousands of years ago. Things are different now. Jesus loved people. And it will cause many Christians that don't know better to scratch their head and go, eh, maybe you're right. Maybe things are different these days. That's why you see churches again and again and again uh, that now are affirming sin. Not that they don't, it used to be. It used to be that, that churches that were on the, a little bit further left than they should be, a little bit off kilter, a little bit off balance, would not preach about sin. We're not gonna talk about sin because sin makes people feel uncomfortable. We're never gonna talk about hell because that's a bad place and people don't like to hear about bad places. We're just gonna talk about the happy part of who Jesus is. We're just gonna talk about the happy parts of the Bible. We're not gonna talk about things like judgment, wrath, and destruction because people don't wanna hear that. They wanna hear happy, so we'll give them happy. No longer are we just preaching around sin. Now we've come to the point where the church is expected to affirm sin. I know what you're doing is wrong, but I'm not gonna tell you it's wrong. It's okay. Two thumbs up from this church. We cannot allow our current society to impact our stand for truth. We don't have to do it in a hateful way. We don't have to do it in an ugly way, but we must do it with compassion, love, and a firm stand on the truth. It will not be popular. It will be difficult. I've known people who have lost their jobs because of their stand for truth. I have a man that I used to attend church with in California uh, that right now is going through a big, huge major deal. He's a, a general in the Air Force who's now being uh, written up on, on charges, trying to bring charges against him because he has a website where he says he prays for people. <laughs> like, you're gonna take a guy's job because he said he prays for people? Are you kidding me? 
But this is what we've come to in today's society, that if you stand for truth, then you're infringing on somebody else, you're being intolerant, you're being unloving, you're being hate-filled, and we cannot afford that to be the case. Let us, let who we call a Baptist church be the church that is different, that we take a stand for truth, but we do it in a very loving way. Hey, you're living with someone who's not your spouse and you're involved in a sexual relationship. The Bible calls that fornication, but I love you anyways. I'm just gonna tell you, the Bible says it's a sin, but you're more than welcome to attend church here and I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna pray for you every single day that you'll make things right with God. That's what a loving church does. Hey, you're a guy who's struggling with alcohol. Just know this, this is a place where you are loved and accepted. I will tell you that, that being drunk is a sin, but I love you regardless. And this is a place where you can receive help. We have to be that kind of church. Know this. If people that are struggling with sin are not welcome here, where will they find hope? If we say that we have the answer, if we say that the truth will make people free the way that Jesus said, and we are not loving enough to give people the truth, where will they find help? The world wants to affirm their sin. The word of God wants to reprove their sin, help them to make it right. And if we won't tell people the truth and how they can be made right with Jesus, no one will. Our primary weapon is the truth, but we are protected by the armor of God. Keep your finger here in uh, 2 Corinthians and turn, if you would, over to Ephesians chapter 6. We're not gonna take a lot of time to go through the armor of God and talk about each piece of it tonight and exactly how it represents and things like that. We'll get to that when we preach through the book of Ephesians. But Ephesians chapter six, verse number 12. Actually, let's take a look at verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, the picture of battle here. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto, and to all perseverance and supplication for all saints. If we take a look at this, we see in verses 14 through 17, it talks about the different uh, parts of the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. You notice that there's only one, one offensive weapon here. The rest of them are defensive. The rest of these will protect me from the devil, but will not allow me to take action on the devil. The only offensive weapon we have is the sword of the spirit, which it says is the word of God. But notice what verse 18 says, praying with all supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. One of the uh, things that I hated the most about being in the military was having to stand watch. What did you do on standing watch? You stood and waited for something to happen. You're just sitting there going like, ah, something's supposed to happen, but I really hope it doesn't, especially not on my watch, right? Uh, you're hoping that by the time you clear the, the watch, your logbook is empty, there's nothing happened, uh, nothing came up, and you just get to go home and go to bed, right? Know this, 
when it comes to spiritual battle, something's always happening and you need to always be on watch. The second that you and I take a back, uh, a step back, the second that you and I fall asleep on watch, just know this, the devil, boom, waiting there for you. That's why he says watch with all perseverance. And it says for all saints. You know what that means? We're supposed to look out for one another through this. If I see a brother or sister that's slipping, I need to be on watch and say, hey, wake up. The fight's on. Hey, man, you can't fall asleep on watch. Come on. Hey, would you read your Bible this week? Oh, I didn't read the Bible this week. Brother, come on. Step it up. You can't do that. We're in a battle here. I need, I need you to be engaged because it's a fight that we're in and we have to be looking out for one another. Final thoughts. Turn back to, to I'm sorry, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Through the word of God, our weapons that we have, we break spiritual strongholds. Take a look at verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This idea of a stronghold is a place that is fortified. It's a place where people go up against and are defeated time and time and time again. A stronghold in your life is that area of sin that you don't want to confess, that you don't want to make right, whether it's in a, a relationship that's inappropriate, whether it's an activity that you're involved with that you're not ready to give up yet, whether it's sin that you haven't confessed yet, whether it's something that you can't, just can't seem to move on from. And the thing is the devil sits up in his tower and watches and laughs because you are powerless in your own power to do that. The Bible says that the word of God is able to pull down that stronghold. No longer is that a place where the devil has a place of, of, uh, of advantage in your life. No, the word of God and the battle that we're in is all about taking ground back from the devil. It's all about taking back our life from a lifestyle of sin. It's all about walking with Jesus every day. But here's the thing, pulling down strongholds requires supernatural power. If you and I in the spiritual battle ever get to the point where we feel like we've got it covered, just know this, friend, you're about to fall. When I ever get to the point that I'm like, I don't really need to go to church. I know what he's going to say anyways. I don't really need to read the Bible. I've read it once before. I don't really need accountability because I'm looking out for myself. That's how it's always been. That's how it will always be. The Bible says, he that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he, what's the next word there? Fall. Just watch out. You think you got it, you're, you're about to fall. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Hey, look, friend, I need accountability. I need God's word every day. I need prayer every day. I need to prepare myself for spiritual battle every day. And you do too. And if at any point we feel like we've got it all together, just know you are not prepared. We need supernatural help. You can't do this on your own. You cannot defeat sin on your own. Satan is more powerful than you are by yourself. But once you put Jesus on your team, Satan is no match whatsoever for us. None. It's not even fair. I don't know if you, when you guys were a kid, uh, you used to have conversations, my dad could beat up your dad. That was always awesome at school. It was like, my dad, you know, I saw him one time. He lifted a car with his bare hands. He could totally whip your dad. Oh, yeah, well, my dad, you know, does what, and we had these conversations. Know this. Your heavenly father can take care of anything, anything. But I need his help to do it. <laughs> I can't do anything on my own. But the Bible says I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Me on my own, I'm done, I'm toast, I'm no good. 
I need supernatural help to break down these strongholds in my life. But here's the great thing about fighting with Jesus on your side. Here's the great thing about fighting with a power that's greater than yourself. We are promised victory. Guaranteed, automatic, it's coming. It will take time. It will take diligence, but we're guaranteed victory. There is no failure when it comes to God, none whatsoever. Every time I have ever failed in the spiritual battle, it's because I've tried to do it on my own. Because I did my, use my own wisdom, tried to do it my own way, I failed every single time. But I'm telling you this, Jesus has never let me down. Not once. He's never failed. He's never came up short. He's never been late. He's always on time. He's always good, and he always wins. So when it comes to spiritual battle, the question is, are you preparing for it? When I used to, to, to run, and I'd have a race coming up in a few months, I'd always prepare for it. There's always a training schedule that I used to go, go through, preparing for marathons and triathlons and things like that. I know where I'm headed, and I know what I need to work on. If I know that a spiritual battle is right around the corner, I need to be preparing for that. I need to have a training plan that I'm on. If I want to be faithfully walking with Jesus 10 years from now, I need to have a plan. And my plan can't be, well, I hope it all works out. It won't. I need a plan. I need people who are willing to fight alongside me. I need people that are on my team. I need people that are like, hey, Anthony, I got your back. Hey, Anthony, I'm praying for you today. Hey, Anthony, what'd you read in your Bible this week? Hey, Anthony, how can I pray for you? Hey, Anthony, could you pray for me? I need people like that in my life, and you do too, because we don't fight against each other. We fight against evil. We fight against the devil. And again, it's not a fair fight. Know this too. Let me just say this as an aside. As we go out on community outreach on Saturdays, just about every single week, we'll see Jehovah's Witnesses out uh, carrying their briefcases, walking really, really slowly, super sad. And just know this, if I was hoping that I would go to heaven one day and hoping that my work would get me to heaven, I'd be super sad too. But know this, our enemies are not those people carrying the briefcases down the sidewalk. You should have compassion on them. You should love them. You should pray for them. You got the guys that ride the bicycles with their little name placards that you see drive around your neighborhood or stand in line at McDonald's. Some 17-year-old kid that calls himself an elder. It's easy to mock them and make fun of them for their short sleeve white shirts that they have. But we should have compassion on them. They're not our enemies. I'm not gonna, I've known people before. It's, it's such a, a ridiculous testimony. Heard a guy tell me one time, yeah, I, every time I see them around, I let the air out of their tires. Are you kidding me? Dude, you should be loving these guys. They're ho hopeless, hopeless. They need truth. How will they get it? We've got to love them to truth. They're not our enemies. The devil's our enemy. Every false religion in the world was started by the devil. Just know that. You say, well, that's a pretty bold statement to make. The Bible says that the devil is the father of all lies. And every false religion is satanic at its core. And those that are caught up in the grips, in the strongholds of satanic religion, the only hope that they have of being set free is the gospel. And if you and I love Jesus the way that we should, we're the only people that can help set them free from that. So our fight is not against other people. Our fight is against the devil. And let me just say this kind of as a closing thought here tonight. 
if you're not currently engaged in spiritual battle, if you're not currently facing spiritual opposition, then maybe you're not going the right direction. Maybe the Christian life isn't that hard to you and you don't face any opposition. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Everybody talks about spiritual opposition. You never see it. Maybe you're on the wrong team. Because let me just tell you this. Every time in my life I've ever said, I want to move forward for Jesus, I've always gotten a pushback from it every single time. We did something as simple, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this was spiritual opposition. We had a, a long, crazy week this week, and uh, we had people that were sick in our house and stuff like that. And Thursday night, our kids didn't have school on Friday because Friday was statehood day. I don't know what it means, but I'm thankful for it that the kids didn't have school, man. No school on Thursday, so we said, we're going to go on Thursday night as a family, and we're going to have family dinner together. Man, we're going to go out to a restaurant and enjoy some time together. And so we went out, and we were able to do that. During the meal, my wife gets sick, and she's still sick. That's why she's not at church today. Uh, get, my wife becomes very sick at, at dinner time. We get home, and I'm putting the baby to bed, doing the good dad thing, putting the baby to bed. I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm, at least I'm going to get the baby to bed and redeem the rest of the time with my kids that, that I have because my wife's sick now. And so putting the baby to bed, and the baby pukes everywhere. I mean, it was she didn't puke a little bit. She puked buckets, you know. And here I am covered in baby vomit. Our bed is covered in baby vomit. My wife is sick as a dog. Uh, my kids are like, when is dad coming? <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. I said, I want to spend some quality time with my family. And spiritual opposition came and hit me head on. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know people who before, their car runs great six days a week. Sunday mornings, they go to get in it. There's a problem with the car. Why? Spiritual opposition. I know people who say, I'm putting together a new routine. I'm going to wake up 15 minutes early and spend time in the Word and pray before I go to work. And their alarm clock doesn't go off the very first day. What is that? It's spiritual opposition. If you're going through difficulty like that, please know this is not unique to you. It's a, it's a life thing. Peter even says, don't think it's strange if your faith is tested. It will happen. It will come. And just know, it's coming. Be ready for it. And we can prepare for the spiritual battle by using the weapons that God's given us to fight with, the Word of God. We can prepare by aligning ourselves with other Christians. We can prepare by committing to discipleship for the rest of our lives. We can prepare by making sure that every relationship in our life is right with other people. And the great news is, we'll win every single time because Jesus never fails. God always wins and we're promised the victory here. You'll face opposition this week. Be ready for it. And when it comes, just say this. God already told me it was coming. Pastor told us on Sunday it was coming. I'm not shocked by this. I'm not surprised by this. But you have all the tools you need to win. Most important thing in the world, if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure if you died today that heaven is your home, please don't leave before you take, that, take care of that. If you're not 100% sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, and that you're forgiven of your sins is the most important decision you'll ever make. And just know this, if Jesus Christ is not your Savior, if you do not know for sure that you're saved, know this, you're fighting life all by yourself. You have no one by your side to fight with you. And when you die, it only gets worse from there because you'll endure God's wrath forever. But if those of us that are children of God, let's live for Jesus this week because we've already been promised the victory.